This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. This is the Ruskin and Sack Podcast, brought to you by United Roofing and Waterproofing. One final turn of the headphone knob that did it just the perfect volume in my ears. And here we go. It didn't really do anything. It just felt like something you had to do. Just a little tweak. There's a knob here that controls how loud it is. And I'm kind of proud of this, actually. Um, I've been doing this a long time. And I'm still below midnight on my volume. Zach's probably at 3 o'clock if you go left to right on the on the knob. I'm still below 12. Every time I plug headphones in, it about deafens me. <laughs> Every single time with both of y'all. So. Really? With yes. me even? You know who had the best hearing? Grant Hall. No, whenever, his was amazing. Whenever I'd plug in, I'd have to like turn it way up because he had it so low because he could hear still. I can't. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I'm about. You know, if it, if if the uh, if the dial on the uh, on the headphone volume was the atomic clock, I'm about four minutes from midnight. I would say something like that. Mine in here is at like nine nine p.m. Nine p.m. Well, you're doing good. You, then no wonder you think we're deaf because you're way below. Where I am. All right. DQ's here. I'm here. Um, Zachary is in parts unknown. He may return Monday. We don't know. We don't know. So you can get in touch with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline, 866-285-4005, and uh, text and call, or we'll get calls later in here. Uh, I, I did want to bring something else up here because we've been doing a lot. We have to do a bunch of stuff when, when Zach's not here to um, behind-the-scenes stuff that you would all find boring. But... Whose ink pen is in the other uh, control room? That green one? Is that yours? That's mine. That's a great ink pen. Really? Oh, it's is. the Paper Mate yeah. pen. Not to get too, you know, talking about pens too much, but it's not. Pen, the, I'm here for pen talk. It's not the best pen. I like the it. The Sharpie S gel is well, still. Well, that's, that's the best pen. Yes, but, but I, the Paper Mates ones are, are way better than the G2 Pilot. I have such low expectations for Paper Mate that when I picked it up to sign something earlier, I'm like, wow. And by the way, I'm not signing anything. You know, it's it's paperwork. It's not like people are sending in stuff to autograph. I don't want you to get the wrong idea out there in Radio Land. But I, I'm like, wow, that's a good pen. Smooth. You can read the thickness of it. The color jumps up. I was very impressed. I'm here for pen talk. We can do pen talk all day. That's fine with me. I love a good writing utensil. I think Abner <laughs> said it's the paper. I think it is the paper mate. Ink joy. Is that what it I is? I think that's what it's called. I have about a thousand colors in it. Nice. Nice. Maybe I need to give Paper Mate another look. Although I love, I got an S gel blue and red now. And to go with the black S gel, that's a, that's a quality. And it's a clicky, clicky pen. The blue and the red. You, yeah. That was excellent. That is a quality, uh, that's a quality deal. Okay. It looks like we, we got a, pl- a billion things going on here. Um, We've got, uh, we found Jeremy Pruitt. I don't want to give it all away because I don't know if we can get to all of it in the next 56 minutes. It looks like Camel Guy's got an update on quitting the post office. Um, people are upset about pens now. Uh, we, we got a lot of things here. I have a lot of things going on that we can get into here, which is unusual for a Thursday in July. You know, usually there's a tumbleweed bl- blowing by with uh, all of the lack of content that we have, but not today. We have a lot of stuff. I also wanted to, um, I thought this would be a good time to 
dive or dove in, if you prefer, on into the old Razorback football schedule. We've never really uh, tunneled in on this thing, you know, deep yet. Gotten down into the granular. And I thought we would do that here, and maybe you can tell me how many games you think they're going to win, and I'm going to tell you why you're right or you're wrong or stuff like that. I don't know. So we got a bunch of stuff here, football and otherwise. Big Ten media days. The Pac-12 is going out of business. We got it. We got it all. We got it all here on Ruskin and Zach today on ESPN Arkansas. Uh, DQ, 0.7 or 0.5? Uh, um, which one do you prefer? Mine is 0.7. What do you prefer? It's, I guess 0.7. Okay. But the G2, the problem with the G2 is it's like, it's too pointy. Mm, you, okay. If you don't have beautiful handwriting, it's not going to, it's not going to go on the paper as smoothly as something that's not the G2 pilot. That's why I hate it. Yeah. I, um, I don't have great handwriting, so the G2 is not for me. I, I know this pen. These are pretty good. I think this is what I used um, used to bum off of uh, Betty down in Barling when I was uh, working down there. I think there's a blue one and a black one, maybe. They're pretty good. Uh, the, the, the Sharpie's the superior product. I've never seen this before. See, um, as we move along in time, the audience will come to appreciate the fact, as many other people have that I know, that my fiance and me are pretty much the same person. She has a love for writing utensils also. And she showed me there's a point four. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I've never heard of that. There's a I've heard Who a point makes five. It? Uh I maybe paper made. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. But she's like, get a load of this. A point four. I'm like, wow. What is this sorcery you've got here? Uh, yeah, so, uh, I'm, but you know what, this was not on the agenda, but office supply talk, I feel like I'm an expert in that too. We can do that here on Ruskin and Zach on ESPN Arkansas and on hitthatline.com. I'm a, just a, for the show, I just use Sharpies because I, I was telling the interns this the other day, I was explaining my psychosis to them. Like today I've got blue cards going cause I want to get some of my thoughts somewhat organized since I'm the only one here. So, um, well, I'm the only one in this room. DQ's in the other room, of course. So, I, um, I'll i jot down things on the blue card so I don't forget them. And I just use the regular Sharpie for that so I can see it mainly. Like, I can't, if it's just in ink, I can't really see it all that well. It doesn't jump out to me. But in Sharpie, it jumps off the card at me. So, that's what I'm working with today. Just a regular old Sharpie. Fine points. The old permanent marker. Old, reliable, and uh, dependable. Anybody using Bix anymore? God, what a terrible writing utensil that is. Oof. Doesn't click. Oh. Lose the cap. Oh, or yeah. someone chews on the cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, a, that was a big thing in school. People would chew on the caps of the pens. I have always found that to be so disgusting. <laughs> Watching someone chew on a pencil or a pen or any school supply. Did you ever chew on wooden pencils? No. I did. With the, the little eraser metal piece all gnawed up i never chewed teeth. on that part i would gnaw on the middle part on the wood that's all i would like do. a beaver yes pretty much <laughs> it would have all these dents in it it was terrible and i don't you know what i don't know if anybody borrowed it or not but and you know in today's climate of germs i think that's a pretty well no one uses wooden pencils anymore do they you have I, a bunch you have I a have, bunch of yeah though i can't ever pronounce the name tyra dixon ticonderoga yes <laughs> that's where uh, lee corso made his money the college game day 
co-host. That's why he's always waving a pencil around because he's in, he's in he was I don't I think he's retired now. He was in the pencil game for all those years, and that's what that little um, he wears a lapel pin on game day. It's the point of a pencil. How about that? Lee Corso bridging the gap between college football and office supplies. Oh, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Abner says graphite doesn't p- taste nearly as good as lead. Yeah, I think we were on graphite pencils by the time I came along. I don't think we were using real lead in the 90s. I'm pretty sure they'd moved off of that. Everybody thought it was lead, though, and that you would get, like, you could stab someone with a pencil, and it would, like, go under the skin and, like, stay there, and people thought, you know, you were going to be poisoned. But I don't know. Yeah, I remember there were a couple <laughs> kids who got in trouble when I was in, like, elementary school for stabbing another yeah. child, and... You know, a few years later, it's like, hey, you remember when that kid stabbed me? And this is yeah. still there. It's still there. <laughs> I've never heard of graphite poisoning. I'm sure it's a thing. I mean, you can be poisoned by anything. But I, there weren't a lot of cases of graphite poisoning that were talked about uh, in the school in the schoolroom back in the uh, back in the '90s. There. All right. Well, that's one. We've burned one. All right. What an odd start. We're off to an odd start. <laughs> Could it, it couldn't be any better. This is this is the wheelhouse. We will do football coming up, all right? Do you need a reliable roofing company that you can call at a moment's notice? United Roofing and Waterproofing is the answer to your issue. Joey Vivano and his team service commercial, residential, and industrial roofs. Consultations are always free, and you can schedule them online at unitedrw.com. Call Joey at 479-312-7369. That's 312-7369. You can also check out United Roofing and Waterproofing on Facebook and Instagram. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign in today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Getting pretty close to uh, training camp opening. So here, I think here's the burning question. We, we talked about this a little bit uh, on our show earlier this week. So Razorback fans out there are, are wondering, got K.J. Jefferson coming back, got Rocket Sanders coming back, yet picked by uh, in the magazine and uh, by the media, fifth in the division, and people are wondering, how can this be? Expl- explain, uh, wh- wh- explain where you think they are right now. Well, you know, you always have to factor in the talent as well as the schedule. And, uh, you know, when you look at Arkansas this year, I like the uh, I like the QB running back combination, that's for sure, K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. And they're switching the offense up this year, moving to more of a pro-style offense, a little bit slower of a pace. But when I talked to Coach Pittman and uh, went over the receiving core, you know, they lose their top four receivers from last year. He said he likes the receiving core, as does K.J., so I think they'll be fine there despite those losses. Offensive line, only two starters coming back, but they add in a Josh Brown from Florida. Pittman knows how to develop offensive lines, so I think the offensive line will be solid. And defensively, you know, you're bringing a guy like uh, Trajan Jeffcoat from Missouri. Uh, I think he's going to give instant pass rush. you got a guy like Landon Jackson that came in at 236 pounds. Now he's up to about 280 at the other defensive end spot. Uh, Coach Pittman called it the most improved unit on the team. Linebacker core, you have some questions. The top three guys are all gone there. 
and the secondary does return uh, two starters. So there's question marks on the team and uh, experience of the receiving core, experience of the linebacker. But to me, the biggest part is the schedule. Nobody in the country plays a tougher four-game slate, four-week slate, I should say, than going at LSU, playing Texas A&M and Arlington, at Old Miss and at Alabama. Those are four really tough games. The four games will be an underdog, and they also have to travel to face uh, Florida in the swamp. So I think the schedule really comes into play. And, you know, if Arkansas pulls an upset or two during that brutal four-game stretch, they could easily finish higher in the standings. Bill Steele's our guest here on Ruskin and Zach, joining us on the McClarty-Daniel hotline. Yeah, the, the, the stretch is of not being, I know the A&M game is a neutral site game, but it is a road trip to go to Arlington, and, and that stretch there just um, seems pretty difficult. But the, um, the November slate is maybe a little bit more manageable. And you've got a Florida team that I, I don't really know what anybody, if anybody knows what's what's going on because there's been a lot of uh, howling about Napier down there. Um, some think that maybe this is the first year, um, first time ever Arkansas may have a chance to win in the Swamp, something they've never done before. Yeah, they definitely have that opportunity. And a lot's going to depend how Florida does develop this year. Now, talking to Coach Napier, you know, I had questions about Graham Mertz coming in at quarterback because I was always under the impression that Napier liked to have a mobile quarterback, and Graham Mertz doesn't fit that bill. But he does like the experience level that Graham Mertz has. He's an extremely intelligent quarterback, and he thinks he's he's like, go ahead and doubt him. He's going to do fine this year. So uh, I'll go by that. They've got a really deep running back core. I like the talented receiver. The offensive line's a veteran group. And defensively, they're definitely better than uh, last year. So, And by that time of the season, you know, they're, they get him in the swamp. The swamp's a tough place to play. But the good news for uh, – Arkansas fans, Arkansas comes into that one off a bye. Florida gets that one the week after they play Georgia. So I do think that's one of those big toss-up games this year for the Hogs and a chance to win for the first time ever in the Swamp. Yeah, it seems it's it's unusual because usually a trip to the Swamp is uh, is is doomed. But yeah, I think it, it definitely would would be in the toss-up category for me as well. Now we we mentioned as I mentioned a second ago, A and M. What, what's your read? I mean, there are a, a lot of varied opinions on what Texas A&M can do. Can they contend for the West? Will they be last again with Bobby Petrino coming in? How do you see it? Yeah, I have them contending in the West. In fact, uh, I rate the top three teams in the West, Alabama, LSU, and A&M, and uh, any of those three could win it. And I'll give you my reasons why. I made Texas A&M my number one most improved team in the country and also my number two surprise team in the country. Now, last year when I was going over the team with Coach Fisher, go through each position, and a lot of the positions he'd recap like he did the offensive line. Uh, get to the end of the offensive line, we've gone through every player, and I say, okay, Coach, how do you feel about the offensive line? He's like, you know, Phil, I feel we're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the country next year. And a lot of his recaps said next year. And, and last year, if you look at Texas A&M, and flipped on my magazine, look at the experience chart, they were number 124, one of the least experienced teams in the entire country. They lost their top wide receiver, Anaya Smith, week four. They used three different starting quarterbacks due to injury. The offensive line was banged up, whereas at one part they had uh, two, two or three freshmen starting on the O-line. The defense was banged up as well. But even in that type of year, Texas A&M beat LSU 38-23. to uh, And they also were at the Alabama two-yard line on the road at the end of the game, throwing in the end zone with a chance to win it. So 
against the big boys they stood up with them. Now this year, it's the year Coach Fisher was talking to me about last year. They're number 14 on my experience chart. They have 10 starters back on offense, 10 on defense. You know they've been recruiting at the same level. The Alabamas and Ohio States have been recruiting at the last couple of years, and now it's time for them to have an experienced team. Uh, I think this is a very talented team throughout, uh, a very experienced team this year, and uh, I think they're a threat to win the West this season. On the, uh, I'm looking at the experience chart here in the magazine, Phil, and Alabama is the least experienced team in the SEC this year. Is that right? That is correct. They wow. are. And, you know, I, I tell you what, uh, any other team that's down there, I would be ranking them lower, like with A&M last year, for example. But the thing is with Alabama, if you go back and take a look at the last 10 years, they generally rank down there because they lose so many players to the NFL and then Saban just replenishes them. Uh, and while they don't know their quarterback, you know, Tyler Buckner, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, all quality guys. I think whoever wins a job will have earned it. Uh, and there's just loads of talent at Alabama. Plus, this is the type of year Alabama's its most dangerous. Um, the last two years, they've been preseason number one. Only once in Nick Saban's tenure have they been preseason number one and actually won a national title. All his national titles have come when they haven't been preseason number one. Like the last time they weren't number one, 2020, they came in number three, and you went 13-0. and So for all the talk about is the Alabama uh, thing over, I still think they probably are the best team in the West. They're going to have their hands full with LSU and uh, Texas A&M, but I did pick Alabama to win the West this year. We're talking with Phil Steele, the Phil Steele College Football Preview on Newsstands. Now he's joining us, like all our guests do, on the McClarty-Daniel hotline. Uh, I'll bounce out of the league uh, for a second, if I may, because um, I'm looking at your experience chart again. Uh, Florida State, is this going to be a big year for the Seminoles, you think? Yeah, I think they're going to be the media's preseason pick to win the ACC this year. It's a very talented tier and a, a team, and amazingly, what a difference a year makes. You know, you go back to last year at this time, Mike Norvell is coming off a 3-6 and six and 5-7 and seven seasons, and he's on the hot seat. Now he might have the media's pick to win the ACC this year. 10-3 and three last year, but... Uh, they were actually plus 165 yards per game in ACC play. Jordan Travis has made remarkable strides. Remember, his first year he played, he was just used mostly as a running quarterback. Um, that first season, he actually ran for more yards than he threw for. But he's gotten better and better as a passer each year, improved from 55 to 62 to 64 percent. And uh, the ratios improved as well. He's also still the dangerous runner. And here's the amazing thing about Florida State. If you look at their seven units on offense and defense, not only do all seven units rank in the front of my magazine uh, as far as top units, but they rank in the top 15. So they have a ton of talent coming back. They have uh, 17 returning starters. They add in a ton of starter, a ton of players like Keon Coleman, Michigan State's leading receiver, comes in uh, to the receiving core. Jaheim Bell, the South Carolina tight end, and numerous others. Uh, so it's a very dangerous Florida State team. I didn't pick them to win the ACC, though, because they do travel to face Clemson on September the 23rd. Clemson's lost one game at home the last six years, and I'm really high on the Clemson team as well. And as we, uh, you know, I guess we overlooked Georgia, and I don't know how we could overlook Georgia with what uh, Kirby, <laughs> Kirby Smart's doing there, but um, is this, I mean, is there anyone that can challenge them on, on this schedule? Do you see this as a um, as a, a path to a three-peat, something we haven't seen, I think, since the 30s in college football? 
Yeah, the 1930s when the Minnesota Golden Gophers did it. Uh wasn't around back then, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a long, long time. You know, I think if you look at the talent they have and the schedule, you would say off the cuff that they really don't have a challenger because defensively they're in better shape than they were last year, and last year they had a pretty good defense. Um, they go from losing nine draft picks to just five. They go from losing three number one draft picks on the D-line to losing just one. Offensively, they have my number one rated offensive line. They're loaded at running back and receiver, and Carson Beck's been in the system for four years. By the time he gets his first meaningful road game, it might just be at Tennessee, and uh, he'd have 10 starts under his belt by that time and be a Heisman contender. So I do like Georgia, but I'll preface it with the fact that, you know, they almost lost to Missouri last year. If Ohio State makes that field goal at the end of the game, they don't even make the national championship game last year. So, yes, any team in college football is beatable, but Georgia has the best path, and uh, they are my favorite to three-peat this year. I had another thought on Arkansas, if you don't mind, Phil, because I'm looking at the schedule here, and we've talked about the, the stretch starting with LSU, but when you have you know new coordinators on both sides of the ball and you have this kind of ramp-up with Western Carolina, Kent State, and BYU, is that – you know, you, you you've you look at all these teams and all these schedules every year. How beneficial is that to have, you know, three games that are not league games to kind of get all of the bugs worked out, if you will, with a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think it's huge actually to uh, have that sort of lead up. Uh, you know, some teams. Uh, you know, like Utah's first two games this year against Florida and against Baylor, there's a lot of teams out there taking on some brutal non-conference schedules. I love it for Arkansas. And, you know, you look at Western Carolina, an FCS team, the game is in Little Rock, but that's not going to matter. Kent State is in a complete rebuilding mode. Uh, they've got like three starters back to the team as a whole. That should be a very easy one for Arkansas. And BYU, I think, falls into the winnable category. I know the BYU game was a on the road last year, but it was a comfortable win for Arkansas. Even in a year, they went just 7-6. and six. So should be a nice 3-0 and start. Should be a nice way for uh, K.J. Jefferson to gain rapport with that young receiving core, and I think that's a, a big-time plus. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting through that middle is going to be a, a big challenge for uh, for this team, and, of course, health and depth is always uh, something we talk about with, uh, with the college football season. Phil Steele, his 29th college football preview available on newsstands now and of course uh, philsteel.com you can get the uh, the digital version as well if you're uh, reading on a tablet or something like that right phil uh, that's right. You know, the uh, the magazine, unlike past years, is only available on two locations this year, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. So those are the only brick-and-mortar stores you can pick it up at, but you can pick it up right now, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. If you go online to philsteel.com, I'm going to charge you a shipping charge. It costs to mail things. But we give you the digital magazine for free when you purchase the hard copy. And the digital magazine's updated all the way through the start of the season. As an example, the Northwestern head coach in the digital version is David Braun, not Pat Fitzgerald. Gerald. So we update that all the way through September. And new this year, we have the FCS magazine. Every FCS team gets two full pages on them. That's available at philsteel.com as well. All right. Good stuff. Uh, we, we can't live without it here in the studio. That's for sure to, to look stuff up on the fly all throughout uh, training camp and into football season. Phil, uh, I appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. Hey, always enjoy talking football with you. Thanks for having me on today. 
At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. All right. Chuck Barrett is with us now here every Thursday. Uh, he is with us at 5 o'clock here on Ruskin and Zach. Chuck, good afternoon. Ruskin, how are you? It's nice to be with you today. It's good to good to have you here. Uh, I've been talking to DQ and pretty much myself for three hours. So this is I've a... been listening. It's been fascinating. <laughs> that's, that's one way to put it. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's been a lot of stuff happened today. And I know there has there's been. been a lot of stuff happening today, which is unusual for a Thursday in July. Colorado's going to the Big 12. Otani's hit two bombs in the game after he pitched a one-hitter uh, in, in in Detroit against the Tigers. Uh, we're looking at the Razorback schedule. I mean, we got a lot going on here today. Otani's unbelievable. I mean, he's just unbelievable. He throws a one-hit complete game in game one. He's had three at-bats so far in game two, and he's hit two jacks with three RBIs. They're going to sweep the doubleheader, it looks like. And, you know, sweeps in the majors aren't that common, you know. Most of the time they split doubleheaders. But, I mean, what a day. Yeah, and, and so many um, so many times, like, mainline people will play in one game of a doubleheader. He's playing in both games, and that doesn't happen very often either, which is – one of the reasons I think you get get the splits, but they're they're staying with him. They're, they, he's not being traded. They're going in. They said yesterday he's off the market, and we're going to see how this all uh, works out with the uh, with the Angels moving forward here this year. Well, they're betting that they can re-sign him, and I think they may be able to. You know, I've not watched the Angels very much. I got to be honest, but I watched him on Sunday Night Baseball, and you look at the effect that he has on literally everything that happens inside that ballpark, they couldn't trade him. I mean, uh, they'd have, I mean, they'd be like the A's. They'd mm-hmm. have 3000 people there if they traded him away. You know, I didn't realize this, but you know, every angels games televised in Japan, every mm-hmm. single one of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, he is an international star, but the place where he's playing is probably the spot where, you know, he's not as big a star, obviously, in the United States as he is in Japan. But it's here where he's just kind of remaking the game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really um, – there, there's no – in a business where we're supposed to have words to discuss everything, I, I don't know if there are words anymore with uh, with what we've seen with Otani. I mean, who, no, 
No one has ever done the thing today, and, and it's still going, where you hit two home runs in the second game of doubleheader after you threw a one-hitter in the first game. That, that's never been done. They've been playing baseball since the 1800s, and that's never been done. It's amazing. You know, one of the things I wondered, you know, this Paul Skeens guy that was drafted by the Pirates, LSU pitcher, a lot of people don't realize this. He was a hitter at Air Force mm. before he transferred to LSU. And he has said he wants to hit. And I just wonder, I'm not saying I've read anything to this effect. I've just, in the way that he said it, I wondered in the back of my mind, would they think about doing that with him? Um, Has Otani remade the game that much where you try to find somebody who can do what he's done? Because obviously he wouldn't be doing both to the level he's doing it in the major leagues had he not been allowed to do it in Japan. Yeah. So um, does it change the game that much? I don't know. But I know that so far he's a once-in-a-lifetime guy. Yeah. Yeah. We got a text here. Uh, we're talking about all the things going on today. One thing I didn't mention just a, a few minutes ago is uh, Joe Burrow was carted off at Bengals uh, camp that's what today. I yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. He was um, – the, the video – there was video of the play. Obviously, it's non-contact because it's practice. But he's running like a bootleg and just started hobbling – Right away. Uh, of course, the internet has already diagnosed it and uh, recommended treatment. I'm going to wait until they actually conduct an MRI before I uh, uh, tell you what, what's going on there. But that's uh, that's another guy. Um, I just like, I'm, I'm not a Bengals fan. I like watching him play football. Even that year at LSU, you know, obviously you don't want Arkansas to lose to that team. But, you know, watching Joe Burrow play football is, that that's a fun afternoon. That's a fun night if you're watching a game there. He's good for the game. You know, he is fun to watch, and he plays the game well, and he's got a little swagger about him. And, um, you know, he um, he comes from, uh, you know, a different background maybe than a lot of people do. And um, he's, a, he's a different sort of guy, but he's filled with confidence. And, I mean, he is an entertainer in a lot of respects. And so, yeah, I mean, it would be a huge loss, not just from that aspect, but, um, you know, uh, Brandon Allen's, he's still with Cincinnati. Hmm. I think he is. Yeah. I think he is. So, um, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, where they're at right now, what they'll do. And obviously, as you said, I mean, you know, maybe we ought to wait on a doctor, but it, um, <laughs> didn't look good. Though. It, yeah. it doesn't look good. You're right. Brandon Allen's in San Francisco now. Okay. Um, All right. I'll see if I can find out who the backup That's right. is in That's Cincinnati. That's exactly now. right. That's exactly right. I remember that now. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, you know, it's uh, pins and needles if you're a Bengals fan for sure until uh, they um, give you the detail on that. Now, here's another thing that's happened on this busy Thursday is that, uh, you know, not that long ago, uh, within the hour, Colorado's made it official. They're going back to the Big 12 next season. I think the Pac-12 is going out of business. I think there are more schools that are now going to be taken by other leagues, maybe the Big 12, maybe some others. I mean, right now, next season, they have nine, I think, because USC and UCLA are are leaving, and now Colorado is leaving. So it looks – I thought we were going to have four Super Leagues, Chuck. Or I'm sorry, I thought we were going to have two Super Leagues in college sports. It now looks like we're going to have four in the Big 12 – is going to still exist in some way, shape, or form for a while. I'll give them credit. You know, they, they've they been on the, you know, 
the deathbed, so to speak. And, um, you know, they've been very aggressive. And, you know, as the Pac-12s faltered, I mean, the Big 12 swooped in. And I don't blame them for doing it. Um, I'm not sure that the Pac-12 can survive. I mean, they don't have a TV deal yet. And you can't survive without that. You just can't. You have to have it. And I'm certain that the TV people, and rightly so, are wondering exactly, you know, what they're going to be paying for and what kind of product they're going to get and how many teams are going to be left when all the dust settles. There's no doubt. I mean, when you take USC and UCLA out of, you know, what was the Pac-8, became the Pac-10, Pac-12, um, I mean, those are the two cornerstones. I know Oregon's come on, and I know there have been some years when others have had great seasons, but USC and UCLA have been the, you know, they've been the cornerstone schools of that conference for a long time. And when they left, I mean, it was a huge blow. And Colorado in and of itself leaving is not a death knell, but Deion Sanders has become, you know, that's the marketing tool now for the Pac-12. That's their marketing tool is Deion Sanders. And he wants to recruit Dallas. He wants Mm -hmm. to get into Texas. And so, um, I, I think it's a great move for Colorado and, um, you know, the Pac-12 is obviously, you know, they're not in good shape. No, they are. They're not. I don't know, um, what, um, what the future looks like for them. I don't know what they can add that will uh, bring value. And I, one of the things I talked about earlier, if I'm the SEC, like eventually we may have, you know, coast to coast is going to matter in college sports. And the Big 12 is, uh, is having a, a, you know, a, they have a footprint across the country. The Big 10 obviously does with the, with the California schools we talked about. Would it make sense for the SEC to maybe get an Oregon or or get you know to to move out of the footprint and think of expanding uh, in that regard rather than you know add a Florida State or a North Carolina or something like that? Well, maybe I think you'd have to just kind of see how the landscape develops. But um, you know the thing that you want to do in terms of revenues bring in championships. Um, the SEC is going to have a great television contract, regardless of where its footprint is. Um, I don't know that going to Oregon, say, for example, or a West Coast, a Western time zone school, um, I don't know what's left yeah. that would bring great value. Oregon, maybe, but, you know, if you're going to bring Oregon, you got to bring Oregon State. And what happens to Washington and Washington State? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think the SEC has to do that right now. I think if they expand, they can expand without leaving their footprint too far and, you know, still win championships, still put teams in the playoff. And um, the other conferences are trying to catch the SEC and the Big Ten um, in that order right now. And I'm not sure that I would um, I would do anything at this point. But, I mean, you know, to say never, I mean, um, <laughs> there's already been a lot of things happen that we would have never thought would have happened. So, I, you know, I've, I've learned not to say never, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we thought that A&M and Texas would play forever, then they didn't, then we didn't know if they'd ever play again, and now next season – 
they're playing again and they're they're in the same league again. So yeah, it's very um it's a, it's an odd thing to follow. I know sometimes uh, you know getting in the weeds can get kind of tedious for for people, but I mean I think of these things like uh some people think of this about, you know, they think about teams and they think about football. I look at it Chuck like corporate mergers, you know, like like at some point, you know, these are giant the SEC's a big corporation and you know the teams within it are smaller, you know, corporations and it's, you know, it's like JP Morgan and Chase or uh, or Sprint and T-Mobile sometimes when uh, when these when these big entities uh, get together in college sports. I hear what you're saying and and I don't I don't disagree with that. Um you know, uh, obviously we're not done. I mean, every time we think we're done, something happens. So there's going to continue to be movement, but I don't think that the SEC is in a position where they have to, uh, you know, where they have to to do something just to be doing it. Right. Um, the SEC is the one that they're trying to catch, and I'll put the Big Ten in that group too. I mean, the, I think the SEC is a little better right now, but you have to, you know, you have to put those two together in 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 terms of their dominance over the rest of the sport. So. I think the Big 12 is making some great moves. I really do. I think having Colorado back in that league will be a shot in the arm for the league and for Colorado. Um, but I don't know that the SEC needs to react to Colorado leaving the Pac-12. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I you know, they've, they've been very measured about all these sorts of things. So um, measured's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So there'll be uh, in the short term there'll be. Um, no more movement, but if if that thing starts to unravel quickly, I wonder if the SEC will um, will be uh, the Pac-12. If they start to unravel these nine schools that are still left out there, I wonder if they'll be uh, in acquisition mode at that point. I well, know. I mean that's a good question because lots of other leagues will be in yep. acquisition mode, and so um, you know you've you, you've got to decide whether to stand pat or or, or move again, but. You know, when you look at some of these brands, um, I know people get tired of what they call SEC arrogance, but, you know, you got to make sure all these brands, as we call them, are SEC worthy. And, um, you know, you don't take a school or two in tandem just so another conference won't get them unless they're a really good school, you know, unless they really bring a lot to the table. And so um, it'll be a balance, but I'm sure they'll work it out. Yeah. And, you know, Oklahoma's coming in. The SEC didn't take Oklahoma State. So there's some, you know, there's some interesting things uh, with, with that as well. Now, uh, I got a couple of texts here I want to read on the McClarty Daniel right. hotline here. Uh, Hacker in Harrison says that Ruskin gets the first postgame show after the Arkansas-Oregon 9 p.m. league game. That'll be there roughly a 1 a.m. start, I think. And then um, it turns out uh, he is human. Shohei Otani cramping has been removed from the second game in uh, in Detroit against the uh, the Tigers. So he is human, folks. He is he does well, get tired. It turns out <laughs> he's put in a good day's work. And you know, I mean, seriously, most of the time you were talking about you know guys that don't play both ends of a doubleheader. You know, sometimes a guy will you know he'll DH in the second game after playing a position. But you know, you think about what Otani did today. I've seen this in college ball a lot. Um, if you're going to pitch a guy that, you know, is your DH too, a lot of times you'll do that in the second game of the doubleheader because if he – and you think about a guy throwing a nine-inning complete game 
what that took out of his body, the fluid that he lost. I mean, um, and then you come back and I'm sure it's hot wherever they are, Detroit, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by that, but clearly he's given him everything he's got today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then some, absolutely. What a, what a day, what a a performance that, uh, another historic day. Uh, for, for Shohei Otani. All right, Chuck Barrett's with us here. Your drive home is powered by Mr. Sparky here on Ruskin and Zach. You can send us a text here at 866-285-4005. We've been, uh, as, as I think you've heard, we've been talking about the, the Razorback schedule a little bit today. And um, here's a text from Danville uh, and uh, says, this Missouri nonsense needs to stop. Arkansas needs to make it a priority to beat those guys. It reminds me of the 90s. When SMU used to beat the Hogs all the time until Houston Nut showed up and put a stop to it. Danny Ford couldn't care less if Arkansas won that game or not, but to Houston that game was a big deal. Uh so that's that's one thing. You know, before we were talking before we talk about, you know, divisions and playoffs and, and all that stuff, I think that four out of five years Arkansas should beat Missouri in football. I don't see any evidence why Missouri should be as good as they've been in this series. Uh I I, I don't have an explanation for it. What do you think? Well, I think some of it has to do with how a particular team season is going. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, they played Missouri, and um, Arkansas was in the midst of a good season, had a lot to play for that day. Last year, not that way. Um, yeah, they had something to play for, but it's not like winning that ball game was going to be the difference between winning – you know, having a winning record in the league or going to, you know, a New Year's Day bowl game in Florida. Um, you're either going to be 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five and probably going to the same place either way. So I think you need to get to that game with something on the line, I guess is what I'm driving at. I think if Arkansas, you know, you look at some of the games when, that they've lost to Missouri, the season was over. Um, and, and in some cases it was a foregone conclusion that the coach wasn't going to be back a couple of times, I guess. And, um, so you got to get to that game with something on the table. I think if we do, when we do, I think, uh, I think the record will flip, but until we do, um, what it's been way too often is two teams just kind of playing out the string and Missouri's won more of those games than they lost because I do think the rivalry means more to them than it does to us. In fact, I know it does. But um, I think if you get to that point in the season and you're playing these games and you've really got something on the line, I'll bet Arkansas starts playing well against them. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things about when, when when the season ended with LSU all those years, there was generally stakes. Either LSU or even at times Arkansas was playing for something really important in that game. So, yeah, that makes sense with that being the, uh, the final game of the year. I also think that um, a lot of people um, a lot of people dismiss the Missouri game um, because Arkansas hasn't had a lot of success there, and it just makes them feel better to just say, ah, Missouri. <laughs> that's, 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 that's one of the reasons, I think. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing about the battle line rivalry, as it's called. Um, both fan bases think the other fan base is beneath them. Yep. That's, both, yep. Both, both programs think the other program's beneath them. And um, it's not a situation where, um, you know, we think we're going to win the national championship and you're not. It's like, we think you're beneath us. And, 
you know, I, I've drawn the analogy to, uh, to the LSU game that, you know, when we came into the league, um, we wanted somebody to replace Texas. We picked LSU. We made a trophy and we called it a rivalry game. And we played like it was a rivalry game. And a lot of those years, um, we beat LSU when LSU was better than we were. And I think you fast forward to Missouri. Um, they were looking for somebody to replace Kansas. Um, the battle line rivalry, if you look at the sponsor of the battle line rivalry and where their corporate office is, it's not too far from that campus up there in Missouri. And um, I, I, I'm not being critical. I'm just laying it out there as a fact. And what I'm saying is it's um, that stuff was kind of created by them the same way we kind of created the battle for the boot. Mm -hmm. And so it means something to Missouri and it has not meant as much to us, just like that trophy meant more to us and still does than it meant to LSU. So, um, you know, I think that as time has gone on, the battle for the boot has become much more of a rivalry game, even for LSU people, but that's because we've won some. And there have been years when they thought they were better than us and we won. And so it's kind of turned into a rivalry. My guess would be that if Arkansas has a good season this year, or if Missouri has a good season this year, um, somebody's going to have something on the line and that team's going to win that ball game this year. And if it's Arkansas, um, you know, Missouri's going to want to come back and return the favor the next year. And that's how a rivalry builds it. It'll be 20 or 30 years before this thing, you know, is really legit. It's, it, it's got to pass. It's got to pass to a new generation and they've got to grow up hearing about it and, um, all that stuff. But, um, again, I think if we get to that game and there's something on the line that we'll play well. What, what, what I, what was interesting to me in the, in the short term, in the last few years is to see how many Arkansas players were playing and playing well for Missouri in that game. And I thought that might've uh, helped <clears throat> sow some seeds there, but, uh, and you know, all these things take time, like you said, but it was, you know, to, to see uh, the, the Crockett kid or, or whoever it may be, you know, an Arkansas Barry Bannister, yeah, Barry Bannister had a great career there. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to the Ruskin and Zach podcast brought to you by United Roofing and Waterproofing here to help with all your residential and commercial roofing needs. Call Joey and his team at 479-312-7369 or check them out online at unitedrw.com. Join the local conversation on the McClarty Daniel Hotline, 866-285-4005. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. Welcome to McClarty Daniel Country. With six giant locations and over 3,000 vehicles, Northwest Arkansas is McClarty Daniel Country. Stop by one of our showrooms today to shop our full lineup of cars, trucks, and SUVs. McClarty Daniel is proud to be your premier automotive destination. Need service? We work on all makes and models six days a week. Plus, our full-service collision center can repair anything from a minor ding to a major collision. Have you visited McClarty Daniel Country? Visit us online at McClartyDaniel.com. 
Fantasy football season is here, and Buffalo Wild Wings is your headquarters for your draft party. Buffalo Wild Wings has draft kits that include a draft board and player stickers. You won't go hungry with this dine-in fantasy bundle for your draft party. Get 50 traditional wings, 50 boneless wings, two trays of party wedges, party-sized chips and salsa, and a party queso dip, all for only $150. Plan your fantasy football draft party and get more details at your Buffalo Wild Wings in Fort Smith, Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, and Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Beer. Wings. Football. From Debbie, Deb, it's always a Deb. Isn't it always a Deb? It's always a Deb. Who did that, Deb? Oh, of course. Uh, DQ actually brought this to my attention. We'll get to your schedule talk in a second. This takes top priority here. Jeremy Pruitt, disgraced college football coach, is now a PE teacher at Plainview High School in Alabama. Wow. PE teacher. God bless the PE teachers. Did you, you played sports, right? Yeah, so I didn't have to take PE. I took PE. And I enjoyed most of PE. Here's how PE worked. It, now, I only in, in junior high, you had PE at Harding Academy. When you got to 10th grade, you didn't have it anymore. I don't think. No, we didn't. So in junior high, PE. And it was always the last period of the day. They made the girls have P.E. right before lunch because, you know, that's how it works in Cersei. Patriarchy and okay. whatnot. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's fair. I mean, the, the the send the girls to lunch all sweaty. And, yeah. 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 Well, that's how it worked. Anyway, and we get to go home afterward. So the first part of the year, you would have P.E. with the boys basketball coach. And that was fun because we would do stuff. We played Soccer, or we played hockey in our shoes in the gym with, like, hockey sticks. We played, uh, you know, of course, the traditional dodgeball, kickball. We bowled. Harding had a bowling alley on campus. The university did. Back at that time, they don't anymore. We did all kinds of stuff. What did they turn the bowling alley into? It's, um, I think it's a Starbucks now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they got rid of it altogether. It was great. There was a big... um game room with air hockey and games and stuff and then next uh, you know on the other side of a wall was the bowling alley and this was the first bowling alley I went to that had the computers keeping score well that was game changer when you didn't have to have that weird overhead projector and a pencil to keep scoring bowling and it was all computerized DQ you've never lived in a world now that I think about it where bowling scoring wasn't computerized. No, I haven't. It's unbelievable. I don't understand how bowling score works at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you get to 300. I don't either. When you hit 10. I, I don't understand. I don't really want someone to explain <laughs> Shouldn't it. Shouldn't it be 120? I, I mean, don't know. <laughs> I don't want anyone to explain it either, but I don't understand how you get to 300. So, but yeah, that was the uh, that was the big deal is the, uh, the, the bowling out. So... Then the basketball coach has to go coach basketball. So then they would throw, and it was only like four or five of us that didn't play any sports. So we would get thrown into football offseason. Oh. <laughs> yes, right. So you have to go to the weight room? So three days a week, we'd lift. <laughs> and two days a week, we would either do uh, run the bleachers or um, what else? Like uh, like crunches, abs. Uh, <laughs> your 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 stomach would be burning because of you'd have to do fifty and then stop and then do fifty more. 
So that was the uh, that's what happened. Uh, we do those. Remember the ropes? You know, like football teams have those ropes. You have to yeah step the, yeah. yeah yeah. We do those. Some guy ate it on the concrete one time doing those, and we had to not laugh. So that was something. Uh, but yeah, we did a lot. Oh, and a couple times we'd go to the pool because there's an indoor pool. So in January, and one time we did this, we would walk over to the pool in the snow and then go swimming indoors and then walk back from the, uh, from the pool in the snow. And that's, uh, that's what we did. And then what, what did we do after that? I think the basketball coach came back Oh, after basketball. <laughs> I can't remember what we did at the end. That's also where I learned about pickleball. Was my yeah. 1996 in, in, uh, in, in PE. They set up a little, my sister just had to do PE her senior year of high school. And because there was some like conflict and she didn't think she was going to have to. And then the school made her. And so she was in PE with like a bunch of freshmen. And I guess they just did a bunch of games every day. Mm. I don't know. Nothing really like super physical activity. They just did games. Yeah. Now, here's what I remember about elementary school PE is um, there was, for some reason, school, our school had a supply of unused parachutes. And yeah, you, you, the parachutes. <laughs> where did these come from? Can you just buy parachutes? Yeah, you do the, uh, the like, color game and where, oh, everyone who has, who's on the red triangle run under the parachute and go to the next one. I remember putting the different bouncy balls on the parachute and everybody had to move it up and down and yeah. like popcorn. I guess that was exciting. I guess y'all's PE class would have always been separated by um like gender. Yes, right? that's I, okay. correct. So not, y'all in ele- didn't, not in elementary, but okay, in junior high. Yeah. Did y'all have to learn how to dance? No. You no, didn't have no, no, a... no. Oh, of course. DQ. <laughs> DQ. Dancing, dancing is, is, is a sin. No, I don't you can't do know that. why, but we had to learn how to <laughs> dance. We had like square dancing week and line dancing and the cha-cha slide. I don't know. <laughs> you did the cha-cha yes. slide at PE? Yes. <laughs> no, there's no dancing of any kind. I don't know why because they they brought in, we had a PE coach, but whenever we were teaching dance, they brought in the high school football coach yeah. to teach us in in like the fifth grade, yeah, his name was Coach Shaw. He he was right, the, he was the best, but he I don't know why he was the only one who taught. Dance. All right, y'all. I'm Coach Shaw. I'm here to teach you how to dance. All right. Give me the Casper slide part two. Let's go. Okay, everybody line up. <laughs> Coach teaching dance. It was the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> Does um, had they gotten rid of the rope by the time you got to PE? You have to climb the rope. Oh my god, we've never had to climb the rope. You never had to climb no. the rope. Uh, we th- had, we still had not- to do the presidential fitness test. Oh, that's right. Yes. But I think that's and boy, what a low bar that must be <laughs> now, right? The presidential fitness test. Can you run a mile in six days? Yes. Oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> but we never had the rope, and actually, we never had to run like a mile. They would. We had the rope. I think the rope is still in the gym. Like the PE gym. And for rope day, they would put like the thinnest like folding mat you've ever seen. Like if someone fell off this rope, like this mat is not going to do a whole lot to prevent any injury. It's not a big pillow thing like the uh, firefighters use if you're uh, 
you know, jumping out of a building or whatever. This rope was had to be like four inches thick, maybe. <laughs> I Could mean, you climb the, the rope? rope? Not the rope, the mat. The mat had to be um, a little bit. But I don't remember doing it that much. But uh, I, re- I definitely remember at some point we did climb the rope. And there was like a flag, not all the way at the top. And then we had this one kid that was super hyper, uh, Justin. And he would like climb all the way to the damn rafter. And they'd be like, get down. You can't go up that far. But he was just, you know, he's one of those hyperactive kids. We didn't know what that was in the 90s. We just thought, you know, oh, he's just, that's just the way he is. But, you know, he probably had too much sugar. That's what it was. All right. Let's see here. So anyway, Jeremy Pruitt is a, uh, is a PE coach now in Alabama. And remember, he didn't get a dime from Tennessee because they fired him with cause. So unless he's got some cash squirreled away, he is, um, boy, what about this? From SEC head coach to PE coach in the span of, you want to talk about a whiplash effect, in the span of three years, in 2020, he coached Tennessee. They went three and seven. Heupel took over in 21. That is, uh, that's that's something. That's something right there. I did like part of PE class, but when we did the football stuff, that was yeah. uh, on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Did the football coach teach dance with his whistle? <laughs> All right, I, slide to the left. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but also. We, so we had never heard, I remember hearing this from multiple people, so I know it wasn't just me, but we had never heard the cha-cha slide before. Like we had <laughs> never heard the song before. And so we were all convinced that Coach Shaw was the one who recorded the cha-cha slide. <laughs> and we thought that it was him singing it. And then he was like, we were the only ones doing the cha-cha slide. So in Elkins, people thought Coach Shaw was the, um, artist on I don't know why on cha-cha I heard, I've heard multiple people <laughs> say that before well okay Lance in Bentonville is calling this PE for the idle rich you know what I'm not willing to accept any idle rich t- uh, text from Benton County okay have you been to Benton County lately oh, come on I'm not I'm not willing to accept this anymore from Benton County Idle rich, please. There's like a bidet in every home up there. It's unbelievable, DQ. It really is. Water features. There's like, you know. Heated floor. Heated floor in a bathroom. A microwave that's a drawer instead of like a, a oh, swinging yeah, the door. Hidden, I, the hidden appliances yeah. always get, get me. Yeah. 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 Uh, this text says it's active rich up there. Yeah, it's not idle rich. That's true. They will come to your house. And groom your dog. You don't have to go to the groomer. They will. There is a truck that goes around, a few of them, and they will come to your house and groom your dog. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online.